Welcome to Where Brains Meet Beauty, hosted by Jody Katz, founder and creative director of Base Beauty Creative Agency. Hey, everybody. It's Jody Katz, your host of Where Brains Meet Beauty podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'm very grateful for your support. This week's episode features my client, Rochelle Weitzner. She is the CEO and founder of Pause Well Aging, and I hope you tune in and love her story. You'll hear the word menopause very often in the show. And if you missed last week's episode, it featured Dr. Patricia Wexler. She's a dermatologist. I hope you enjoy the shows. Hey, everybody. I am so excited to be sitting here with Rochelle Weitzner. She is the founder of Pause While Aging. Welcome to Where Brains Meet Beauty. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Well, I want to give a backstory about how we met and... um, let everybody know that you're a client of ours. So we want to be transparent about this. Um, and I'd like to tell my version of the story and then you can tell your version of the story. Amazing. <laughs> so um, we are media partners with Beauty and Money Summit. So we were there last September in New York and they do this cool um, like matchmaking, speed dating thing between brands and um you set up a meeting with us, mm-hmm. and I didn't know what the meeting was going to be about, and that was the cool thing. I didn't know what we were talking about, and Robin and I were there, and you, like, the first thing you said to us is, I'm making a brand that's all about menopause and speaking to women in menopause, and I, like, leaped out of my chair to hug you and sit in your lap because I was, like, so excited about it. was it. hysterical. <laughs> it was perfect. So tell me what your experience was as you were, like, talking to people like me at that event about your brand. Yeah. So at that point, I mean, I was still looking for investors and it was kind of a little early on in the event, but I knew that I, I wanted to find the right branding partner. And, you know, I I was going to use a lot of agencies rather than building a team out and hiring all kinds of employees. So when I signed up for Beauty and Money, because I was looking for money, <laughs> um, and I saw that you were going to be there and, you know, as this branding agency, I had to just meet you and see what you're about. But I had no idea what I was getting into. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So from that moment, I'm like, oh my God, this is what we've been working towards. And I I don't say that like in a flippant way, like on our team side, we've been talking about the changes on our body. There's so many of us who are in our early 40s and like it's been wackadoo for a few years now. And um, we get down and dirty in the details of what's going on with our bodies. And we've done research around this. And to finally find a brand that's completely focused on telling these stories and being a beacon for this information was is so in- incredibly thrilling. And I only knew a little bit about, about what pause was going to be at that moment. Yeah. Yeah. I knew from, from the minute we started talking and, you know, speaking with you and with Robin, that we, you guys were the perfect fit. We were going to be great partners and it's been amazing. Well, this is not an ad for Base Beauty, but it, <laughs> it, um, it just shows me that um, we can move this industry forward, right? So let's talk, let's go back in time. Um, why pause? Why did you create this brand? Yeah. So really, it started because I had my first hot flash and I, you know, I, that, that moment happened and I panicked. And then after I panicked, I realized hold on a minute, I I really think that there's a business opportunity here. And, you know, I come from the beauty industry. I've been in the the C-suite for quite a while with some really well-known brands. And I knew 
there were no brands out there speaking to women like me and um, my community, basically, which is women, you know, roughly 45 and up who are starting to experience the three stages of menopause. A lot of people don't even know there are three stages, peri, meno, and postmenopause. A lot of people don't know that once you start menopause, you're in it for the rest of your life. So you could theoretically spend more than half your life being menopausal, and yet there's no companies out there speaking to us. How is that possible? Um, and so I started to do some, some research and got deep into the science um, and just to understand what was going to happen, what were symptoms that I could expect, and finding that information was pretty difficult. So I knew that you know, I wanted to create a company that offered products, tools, solutions um, to help us get through this time if we wanted help. Not everybody wants help, and that's fine. Um, I knew that this concept of anti-aging was horrible. I mean, that word to me just needs to be eliminated from our vocabulary completely. We are aging. And, you know, my feeling is I'm great with that. Um, let's talk about well-aging. Let's age the way we want to on our terms with wellness involved. And so, you know, pause is about products, um, but it's also about community and shared experiences and offering education and information, just kind of a one-stop shop for where you can go to find out about this time we're about to go through. So this idea for pause and while aging could have gone off in a lot of different product directions. Why start with skincare? So skincare is what I know. It's really, um, you know, most recently, um, I was the CEO of Erno Laszlo, and it's a you know 90-year-old skincare company, um, and I really feel passionately about skincare. Um, I always have, and so it just made sense for me to start there, and I wanted to create a brand that was really steeped in science, um, so there is a lot of science here. We created our, our complex, which is our ingredient story. It's this proprietary blend of vitamins, peptides, and antioxidants that's specifically formulated for women going through menopause. So dealing with that loss of collagen, loss of elasticity, the dryness that comes that we all suffer from, and just that loss of radiance. I think that um, this idea of well-aging is probably even bigger than product could ever be, right? Because this is about our whole world. And one of our writers wrote this line like about anti-aging, what is there to be against, right? Exactly. Um, so this is really movement beyond, you know, this is not just product, this is movement. Yeah. And that's really what, what I thought too. And again, just having that, that voice and somebody out there speaking to women who might think this is this is an ending period for them, that this is a time in life where things are miserable because they can be difficult. I mean, you don't want to sugarcoat it and say life is just wonderful. Um, there's a lot of hard things. Hot flashes suck. <laughs> Brain fog really sucks, and I'm a terrible sufferer from that. But there's also some really great things. There's a lot of um, liberation that comes from this period of time. And for me, I mean, I turned 50. I started a company. I took up boxing. I mean, you can have a whole next chapter of life. And that's really what I want women to see, that it's not a an ending period. It's not a time when beauty goes away. This is a time for what's next. How interesting that you've worked at all these classic skincare brands through your career that really... Um 
you know, because that was the the way the culture was at the time you worked there, that it really played up this anti-aging and making you feel less than. So therefore you need the product and you need this, you know, these ingredients and that you've come at it from a completely different way now. Yeah. What does that feel like to like look back and think about the marketing to the customer and those other brands versus what you're doing now? It kind of makes me feel sad that I didn't realize this sooner, but I guess I had to go through it and I had to just have that realization that what are we doing as an industry? And, you know, a lot of people will say, well, we don't, we don't address menopause or talk about it because it's just not sexy. And no one, you know, no one wants to, to, to speak to that, but I think it can be sexy. So let's bring sexy back. Right. Like why can't it be sexy? Right. You know, we talk about adolescence and like a lot of interesting things happen then and a lot of weird body stuff too. Yeah. So why can't this be as interesting? Right. Yeah. And I meet a lot of women who say, you know, they feel better than they ever have. They look better than they ever have. And I think that that's, that's exactly right. So I'm going to do an experiment right now and say the word menopause, 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 because no one ever hears this word out loud, right? Not on the airwaves. And in fact, we approached a lot of celebrities, right, to partner yeah. with us on this. And guess what they said? Yeah, no, because, right, they don't want anyone to know they're going through menopause. I mean, but this is just a basic fact of life. When you're roughly 45... That's when perimenopause typically hits. Now, I say roughly because it could be earlier. You could be brought into menopause for surgical reasons. So there's all different ways we get there. But on average, it's about 45 when the symptoms start. Um, I remember I wanted to hold a focus group with all my high school girlfriends. And as I was thinking about launching the brand, and so I sent out this mass email to all my friends. We were all turning 50. And I said, I'm, you know, I'm coming home, coming to Cleveland, um, want, want you to get together for this um, focus group. I'm providing drinks, and we're going to talk about menopause. And the response to a person was, we are not nearly old enough to be talking about menopause. Are you crazy? But then we had our discussion, and it was like everybody was in the throes of perimenopause, whether they realized it or not. And I think it was quite a learning. Uh, that's what I love about this um right now is that I, I am menopause, right? I'm 43 and my peri probably started at like 39 for me. Um, and change, you are menopause, right? Like, yeah. so changing the face of menopause. Exactly. And saying the word out loud and not faking. What are some of the euphemisms for menopause that you've learned? Oh yeah. The change. That's really the big one. Mm -hmm. It's, it's talking about the change. And I just, I hate that. I don't know why it just doesn't sound modern and fabulous to me. No, I'd rather talk about, um, have you paused yet? <laughs> Where are you in your pause? So I'd like to change the, you know, the vocabulary to, to talking about pausing. And um, this education, like for people my age realizing that like, yeah, this is like part of the menopause process where I am right now, um, changing the face of it. You know, I always thought menopause was like some of my grandma, like grandma's age is in her 80s. Like yeah. that's not what the face of menopause is. No. Right? That's right. I think this is so important, which is why we did outreach to celebrities, right, who are in their early 40s because – this is going to be, you know, a really important, it's really important to see what menopause looks like, right? Not just hear about the words. Yeah. And, um, you know, the agents kept coming back to us saying, she wouldn't even talk about this if she had a million dollars, right? That's right. Um, or she's not going to want to participate because she doesn't want the male directors to know. What is there to hide? Like what is happening in our bodies that we should 
not be proud of during this time? Why would we want to hide the fact that we're in the stages of menopause? I, I don't know. I agree with you. I mean, it just doesn't make any sense. And I think that, you know, a lot of the actors feel like if somebody knows they're, they're menopausal, they'll never get another part again. I mean, even, you know, I've had some conversations with network TV types programs that have said, we're not sure if we could even say menopause on television. Really? Why? Well, it's a medical condition. And so it's not. It's not a medical condition, just as puberty is not a medical condition. But there's so much information that we just don't even know. We have to educate people. Um, and we just have to be talking. Let's go back in time a little bit. I want to know how you even landed in the beauty industry to begin with. Um, what was your first job in beauty? So my first job was uh, CFO for Gerwich Products, which at the time was Laura Mercier and Revive Skincare. And I had just spent a lifetime in paper and forest products. I mean, I was with the world's largest paper and forest products company for 19 years. And um, part of one of my roles was living in Paris. And I was the CFO of a billion dollar business over there. And living in Paris, I became really enamored with beauty and fashion. And when I moved back to New York, I had just decided that it was time to make a change. Um, paper and packaging really wasn't that exciting. Um, so I decided to make the move to, to Gerwich, which was fantastic. So let's go back in time even more. How did you end up in the paper industry? <laughs> how, how does that happen? Yeah, so I, was, uh, I did my undergraduate at Tulane University. And I was, um, I was attending business school there. And, you know, at the time there was a, um, jobs were posted on a board and there was a posting. Right. This is going back inside. There's like a piece of paper <laughs> exactly. on a board with a thumbtack. <laughs> exactly. And the, this piece of paper said, you know, international paper is looking for someone with a dual degree in accounting and finance. Well, I was literally the only one in my class that had a double, was getting a double degree in accounting and finance. And I remember saying to, to my best friend at the time, this is the job for me. I mean, I ha they're talking to me. And sure enough, I ended up interviewing with them. And my very first job was in Shreveport, Louisiana, as a financial analyst for international paper. So um, what motivated you to study accounting and finance? Yeah, so I didn't start out that way. <laughs> my, I first started out studying architecture. And I was convinced I was going to be the world's greatest architect. Couldn't really draw very well, but okay. Um, you know, I love design and aesthetics and things like that. And so I spent one semester studying architecture at Tulane. And my, the end for me was we were tasked with designing a public restroom in New Orleans for the indigent. And we had a site and we had materials that we could use and, and everything like that. And so I'm designing and I'm using skylights and I'm making this beautiful, beautiful restroom for the indigent. And at the end of your project, you had a jury of your peers. And so there were 100 people in the class, stand up in front of all 99 people and explain what you did and why you did it. And I just knew I had the best design ever. And at the end of my, my presentation, there was dead silence in the room. And one of the professors said to me, so... Were you on drugs when you did this? That's the question. And I was like, wait, what? And he said, well, this looks nothing like a restroom. This looks like a cathedral. And I was like, and? What's your point? Well, I ended up with a C minus. And I said, forget that. I think I need to switch to business. They had no vision. None. 
But um, why didn't you continue pursuing this and pushing pushing the vision of the people so around you? So I, um, I mean, I I grew up with a goal of always wanting to be on the cover of Fortune magazine. That really? Was, yeah, that was my thing. Okay, wait, why was it your thing? And when did it become your thing? It, it was my thing in high school. Um, I wanted to be super successful. I wanted to just make my own way in the world. And I wanted to own a pink Lamborghini. <laughs> cover of Fortune, pink Lamborghini. Those were my two goals that I was working towards. And when I realized with my C- that I was never going to be the very top um, you know, the best architect there. And so likely I would be a very poor architect. I just decided that was not for me. And you switched to finance. I switched to finance. Mm-hmm. Um, back then it was, you know, public accounting. It was the, I think it was the big eight public accounting mm-hmm. firms. And that's where most people went to work. And so I knew I could always get a job in accounting, but finance was what was more interesting to me. So that was why I did the double, double degree. And why was finance so interesting? Um, I think I just liked the idea of, um, you know, playing with numbers, seeing where, where you could get to. I loved analysis and accounting, I have to say, was incredibly boring and I hated every minute of it. So let's go back to Fortune magazine. Yeah. Um, when you were a teenager and you closed your eyes, what did you see? Like, are you on the cover by yourself? Totally. I'm on the cover by myself. I don't know what I'm doing. Um, I'm running some business, but yeah, that was, that was my goal. This is incredible to learn now so that we can work towards it. That's right. Well, so what's really funny is, um, my wife definitely believes in putting together mood boards and on our refrigerator. So there is a picture of me. So my head on Ronda Rousey's body, because I've taken up boxing and also my head on the cover of Fortune magazine over somebody else's body. And then I'm also on Forbes because there was something about the, you know, women billionaires. And so she put me on that cover. So that's our inspiration board. I love this. I love the intention, right? Because if you put it out into the world, like you can that's make right. it happen. Um why not Forbes? Like why Fortune? I, I don't know. Uh-huh. I mean, really, no, no good reason. Just uh I think Fortune Magazine was what I would pick up mm-hmm. now and then. Maybe it's like in the library or something. Something. <laughs> That's so cool. I, lo- I love hearing that. Um, I didn't know that about you. I feel like I've known so much about you. Um, but to like visualize that this, this is where you, you want to be, this is the goal, and it doesn't really matter what it was that you're going to be doing, but just that you would know you would get there. Yeah. Um, it makes me think of something that Lady Gaga said to Oprah during one of their interviews, um, that like Lady Gaga always like imagined herself, saw this, what she has now. She moved through the world, you know, as a younger person without the success that she had, just imagining that it was happening. Um, and I understand that. Yeah. That's very much me. I, I'm the same way. I mean, I just feel like if I'm, very positive about it, and I'm visualizing what's going to happen. It's it's going to happen, and I'm making it happen. So I don't hear any self-doubt or second-guessing. Does that ever happen for you? Oh, yeah. <laughs> it definitely does. I mean, especially um, – so, so basically, it was exactly two years ago, almost exactly two years ago today, that I had the idea for launching the company. And with all of the struggles that I went through fundraising – Um, you know, things like, I mean, as you could imagine, investors are mostly men. They're mostly older men. They're not terribly emotionally evolved 
Um, and so some of the conversations that we had were just insane. Tell me. Um, <laughs> so I might get a little vulgar, but there was one guy um, who was, you know, quite a bit older and he was very um, uptight is probably the best way to describe him. And so here I am, I, I walk into the room with my pitch deck and I'm going to talk to him about menopause. And I'm getting a little sciency because I like to get a little sciency and really explain why our products are as efficacious as they are and why we've taken the approach that we have with a tool as well as the topical products. And I'm literally talking for probably 20 minutes. And at the end, he just stares at me and he says, I have no idea what the fuck you just said. I'm going to go home and talk to my wife and I'll get back to you. And so that was kind of a typical experience. I mean, um, so I'm, I'm so thankful that I found the partner that I did. And, you know, with Grace Beauty Capital, they got it right away. And, um, you know, Frank is very evolved. He saw, he saw that women were not being addressed and served and that there was a huge opportunity here. So um, he really is my perfect partner. So let's talk about these meetings because a lot of our listeners are entrepreneurs mm -hmm. um, and, you know, probably most of them don't have menopause as part of their topic in their pitch. So you sort of torture tested the experience, right? Yeah, like how I could did. it, how could it get any harder? I mean, I don't know if it could. <laughs> well, so I, um, I mean, just in terms of experiences, I literally had my own Harvey Weinstein type experience. It wasn't with him. But one of the potential investors was a billionaire and somebody that, you know, pretty well known. Um, and when I was meeting with him, so I sort of met with his gatekeeper first, somebody that would test ideas and see if he might be interested. And the gatekeeper said, you know, I think this is definitely something he'll like. Let's set up a meeting. Well, the meeting was set up in his apartment because he kind of lives in some different places and... There was a perfectly good office because I met the gatekeeper in the office, but no, we were meeting in his apartment and I, I really didn't think anything of it. I'm kind of, um, I, I consider real estate as porn and I love to see, you know, various <laughs> places and this was in a super fancy building. So I was like, this is great. I'm going to get to see this fancy, this fancy apartment that overlooks Central Park. Amazing. I didn't think anything else of it. And I brought somebody with me, thankfully. We walk in, and the gatekeeper guy was there, so he answered the door. But I walk in, and this investor is laying in a bathrobe on his couch. He's like sprawled out on the couch, wearing a bathrobe with a blanket semi-covering him. And it was like, okay, this is weird. Now I have to talk to this guy about menopause. And he's, you know, completely undressed. And his his first comments to me were, it was all about my appearance. Love your hair. Your hair is so amazing. That jacket you're wearing, it looks like it's Kevlar. And do you work out? You look really fit for your age. And so that was awkward. And again- Was he in the reclined position during this whole oh thing? Oh, yeah. Uh -huh. Oh, yeah. Um, so then I'm like, where do I sit? <laughs> do I sit at the head? Do I sit at the feet? It's kind of a C-shaped oh couch, <laughs> right? Those were the seating options were to be like contiguous to him. Exactly. Oh Cause he, so imagine this, it's the letter C and he's in the middle of the C oh my God. laying there. So <laughs> I think I went for the feet because the gatekeeper guy was at the head side <laughs> 
And I'm literally on the edge of the couch as far as I could be. And I'm talking about menopause and, you know, and then he'll, he gets a little endearing and he's like, I just love women so much and I hate that they're suffering. I'm like, okay, you're getting it. And then the next thing I know, he gets up and he's like, I have to pee. I'll be right back. And goes to the bathroom around the corner, leaves the door open so that we can literally hear every drop of pee hitting the bowl. It was like the most uncomfortable experience. And I remember thinking when, when the Harvey Weinstein stuff came out, like, how do these women not know what they're about to get into? And here I am now. I am now one of these women and shocked. I mean, just shocked. So I left and went, I think it was 11 in the morning and went straight to a bar. (laughs) So let's talk about how you exit a situation like that, because um, that's really hard. It was hard. I mean, I kept it super professional the whole time, even after the peeing incident. And, you know, and as one thing I didn't mention is he had this blanket covering him, but it was like the blanket would strategically fall down throughout the whole discussion. I mean, it was hideous, absolutely hideous. Um, So it was... You know, you just, you stay professional, um, and we agreed to follow up and, you know, things like that, um, and that was the end of it. What do you think you would have done if you actually went to the meeting alone and he was the only one there? That's a good question. Um, because there was safety for you because you had the gatekeeper and that's someone right. else with you. That's right. That safety was there. I think if I walked in and was I was just totally alone and he was answered the door in a bathrobe... I think I would have said I must have the wrong apartment and I would have run away. Maybe, maybe not. I mean, as an entrepreneur, when you're looking to get funding for your baby, you kind of almost are willing to do anything, but um, I don't know. Right. So that's that's why I'm asking because there's a point where you're willing to do anything in terms of like work really hard, stay up late and take a lot of meetings, you know, keep connecting, whatever it takes, keep asking until someone says yes. But you know, are you really willing to do it? anything it takes? And the answer is no. The answer is no. Right. Yeah. So, um, you know, if you're looking back at yourself now because you've found the perfect partner and you're, you know, launched and, you know, it's, it's, it's real now, what would you say to yourself back at that meeting when you walked through the door and saw him? I should have just turned around and walked out. Um, I did follow up with this gatekeeper person later. I said, can, can we meet for a drink? Because I liked him a lot. And I said, does he do this with for every meeting or was it just me? Because I don't know. Somehow I felt like I needed that information. And, and he did say, that's normal. That he, That's how he takes meetings. So somehow that made me feel a little bit better. But then my response to this gatekeeper guy was, have you heard of Me Too? Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, he might want to talk to him about how he takes meetings because that was really uncomfortable. Yeah, I think now that we've heard the story and you put it out there, you're going to get a lot of DMs from people who have been in similar situations. Um, My guess is it's not uncommon for people who know that they have a power position right here, financial power, to take advantage of it and feed their own ego or whatever it is. Um, Thankfully for you, he didn't touch you or be aggressive um, against you. But just being in the room with people like that, um, it really does something to your psyche. It's it's really bad. It's really bad. And I always considered myself a super strong person, very strong-willed. You know, I know who I am. I know what I am. And the fact that I was in that situation was so surprising to me. 
Right. And my guess is it's going to be surprising to you forever because forever. there's nothing right about it. Yeah. Um, I, I hope that we can empower through this conversation our listeners to like, yeah, if this person answers the door this way, you just say, let's make this for another time. Exactly. Um, but I know that if I were in your situation, I probably would have been sitting there like, what do I do? How do I, how do I take the power back? Right. Mm -hmm. That's sort of like what I, I think I'm kind of a, um, a challenge hierarchy just by nature. So I would be thinking instead of Exit the room, Jody. You can do this another time. This person's not worth it. I'd be thinking, how do I take the power back in this situation? Which I don't think is actually healthy. Yeah, um, but I do think that's exactly what I did because, you know, sure, I could have left, but I decided to just power on. And I was very professional in my discussion and my presentation and, you know, went through all the facts. And I know he heard me and understood what I was talking about. Um, so I really did take control um, and then I think he had to show me that he was taking control back by going mm -hmm. to pee. Mm -hmm. Outrageous. Right. This is, I think, what dogs do to mark their territory, That's right? right. <laughs> let's, uh, let's transition to the topic of dogs and Coco, who's an important part yes, of your life for Coco. 13 years. Tell us about Coco. Yeah. So Coco is my little five-pound Maltese. Coco has traveled with me to Paris 15 times. Um, she's a very well-traveled dog, and um, she's very photogenic. She's got some celebrity friends. Um, yeah, Coco's awesome. So um, Coco's an important part of your personal Instagram, and we talked about giving her her own, too. We'll see. Yes. Um, so let's talk. Our last topic will be about you know your goals for the future. So you know you've just birthed this idea and put it out into the universe, and are starting to you know get the energy around from other people who are really excited about this topic. What what do you see happening in a year or two? Yeah. So we started with skincare, and we've started building this community. Uh, my expectation is that the community will continue to grow. That we will get interest from celebrities and other people, you know, regular people too, that say, I, this is so important to me. I want to be involved in this movement with you. And I expect that we'll move into more lifestyle areas as well. So we started in skincare because it's what I know. I know it really well. I'm very passionate about it. But I think, you know, there's so many areas that we can get into. And I really want to hear from our customers too, what's important to them. What's, what are their pain points right now and where should we focus? Maybe it's supplements that we need to target, maybe teas to help you sleep and alleviate hot flesh, you know, various things like that. Um, so it's going to be about providing those tools to just make life better. You and I have talked about this um, example in the marketplace that's probably similar to what will happen with PAWS, which was is erectile dysfunction, yeah. right? So this was like a what? What are people talking about? And now like you can't watch something on TV without seeing a commercial for a product related to this. Um, and there's even like schlocky products, you know, like on the subway and stuff. <laughs> right. Support it. So, you know, what what people didn't want to talk about um, is now just so normal. And they say, what, ED yeah. for it? And I, I think that's what's going to happen, right? Th this is not going to feel normal for people to be confronted with the word menopause and realizing that that's part of their life and this is part of their vernacular. And now all of a sudden we're going to start talking about it and have conversations over coffee and drinks and at work about it. Um, and then, you know, give it a few years and it's just going to be so regular, right? Just like talking about adolescents and teenagers having acne, right? I think so. I definitely think so. I mean... One of the things with the name of the company, you know, I call the company Pause because I say we've taken the men out of menopause. This is just for women and by women. And so with that, I think there's also an opportunity for the dialogue to just 
be shortened, just as erectile dysfunction was now is now ED, menopause can just turn to pause. And so have you paused yet? Where are you in your pause? I think talking like that is going to become a thing of the future. I'm so grateful to be part of this movement with you. It's really thrilling. It's like I am so grateful to you ever. and your team for, for being my partner. I, I couldn't be happier. This is a love fast. And, and everyone should know that every meeting sort of starts with like us telling each other how much we love working together. And True. it sort of concludes the same way. So thank you so much for sharing your wisdom with us today. It's been incredible to have you on the show. Thank you. And for updates about the show, please join us on Instagram at Where Brains Meet Beauty Podcast. Thanks for listening to Where Brains Meet Beauty with Jody Katz. Tune in again for more authentic conversations with beauty leaders.